Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen, amen. All right. I think we can do a little better than that, right? Come on, let's thank God. Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. You know, I really think, I really think that in a church service that we should outshout the people at the ball games, right, when that comes on. Amen? And because I think we really, truly, as believers, for those of you who know Christ, really should understand really the, the meaning of freedom, what freedom is for. And I, just remain on your feet for a minute. We're going to pray. So I'm reminded in the scripture, you know, it all comes from the scripture. I'm reminded in the scripture in Galatians 5.13 that says that we're free not just for freedom's sake, and so don't use your freedom to indulge yourself. But the truest expression of freedom, it goes on to say, is to leverage your freedom for the good of others. And so, you know, when our forefathers wrote the Constitution and talked about our freedoms, they even talked about the idea of not infringing on somebody else's freedom by using yours. And then to do that, sadly, the more we become free if we don't understand the real concept in Scripture, the more our freedom to indulge ourselves infringes on the rights of others. Therefore, more legislation, more laws have to come. If we all would remember the freedom that comes from God in the Scripture is to leverage your freedom for the good of others, we wouldn't have all the laws and legislation that we have today, amen? And so I'm always reminded during this time of the year, and actually we should be reminded every day, we should be thankful for our freedom as a nation and the men and women who lay their life down for it and still do. And we remember the freedom that Christ paid for all of us to be free, amen? We're doubly blessed. We really are. We really are a blessed nation. And, I, you know, what do you turn on the news and whoever you voted for and whatever is going on? There is no nation that has the freedoms we have. And we have those because of the foundation. Whatever anybody wants to say today, it was founded on the Bible. Our forefathers saw that. And so, amen, we celebrate so much more today. Amen? So we're thankful for it. So before, before we're seated and move on, let's take a moment and let's pray for our leaders. You know that the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for those in authority and leaders over us. It doesn't, it doesn't say if you like them or not. It doesn't say if you voted for them or not. It says that's what we're to do. And so let's be obedient to the word, the word of God, and let's pray for our leadership and for our country. Father, we thank you for the freedoms that you have given us. We know that ultimately freedom comes from you, Father God. It is expressed in our, in our the Constitution and the things that were written to establish this country. Our forefathers saw, Lord, the need to put the Bible as a place of foundation. And even though today the interpretation of it may be different in man's eyes and the legislation may be different than what was intended, but we still know freedom ultimately comes for you. We thank you, Father God, for our leadership to, to continue, Father God, to, to understand the principles of God. And I pray that our president and vice president and all those in authority, all the way down to local, Father God, I pray may they hear your voice, may they seek your face. And Father God, may they surround themselves with men and women that will point them back to you. We pray for laborers across their path, Father God, and those that will come and stand with them also to lift up their arms when they're weary. We pray, Father God, for them to lead this country in knowing you better. We pray, Father God, Lord, that you make a way where there seems to be no way. We thank you for this great country, Father God, and the fact that you either put us here or brought us here, Father God, is not lost on our daily lives. And may we live our life, Father God, honoring those that gave their life for our freedom and those that still do today by living a life as intended, leveraging our influence for the good of others. 
We thank you, Father God, that we don't take for granted. I pray that we don't ever take for granted the freedoms that we have because we know that freedom truly is never free. And so we are so thankful for those, Father God, again, that have given their lives, still do today. And we're thankful for Jesus and the sacrifice he made as well. We thank you, Father God, for this opportunity for our nation to be reminded not just of our freedom, but our foundation. And so we give you glory and honor for everything in Jesus' name. And we all said amen and amen. All right, you can be seated. God bless you. God bless America. I love it. Greatest country on the planet. I don't care what the news says or anything like that. It doesn't matter. It's still the greatest country on the planet. Amen. But let's not ever lose sight still of what the, really, the real expression of freedom is. Whether you're an American or a believer, <clears throat> it is to leverage our freedom for the good of other people, not for our good. And so, you know, in thinking about today, and I, I, initially when we were planning the calendar out, I thought this would be a standalone message, meaning that it wouldn't be part of a series. But as we were going through the Breakthrough Series, everything we're talking about in the Breakthrough Series is freedom. And so I thought we need to kind of wrap up the series, really adding today to it. And so my title of my message is Staying Free. And isn't that what we're trying to do? Because we, we know that Jesus gave his life 2,000 years ago so we can have freedom. First Corinthians expresses that. You can go ahead and put First Corinthians 15 up there. And so what we do is we know that according to this scripture, our freedom has been purchased. We've been given that by God through the work of Jesus on the cross. We didn't have to earn or fight for our freedom. It's for us. It's been provided for us. And so what we need to do, however, is to stay free, maintain or walk in our freedom every single day. So let's put that in today's picture. We know that over 200 years ago, or whatever the timing, we didn't do the math, that we fought the Revolutionary War for our freedom. I wasn't alive on the planet then. I didn't fight the fight. Other people fought it for me on my behalf so I can be free today, amen? And so I need to walk in those freedoms today, honoring them as much as my, my, my freedom that I live today honors Christ. My freedom that I live today honors those that gave their life and still do. And so I, I just feel like today we needed to kind of tie those things together as we're finishing up our series. First Corinthians is a great, a great scripture, 1557 there, uh, really speaking to our freedoms, not just as believers, but also as Americans, knowing that we've been handed that freedom. So let's not ever take it for granted. And so let's honor those that gave it to us, whether it be Jesus spiritually, and then those that gave it to us naturally and still do. And let's live our life in a way that not only will reflect the sacrifices that have been made, but let's live our life to the fullest extent of freedom that they intended us to, without infringing on those of others or even indulging in our own self-serving things. And so we see that in the scripture. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's been given to you and I, but we don't always walk in it. Let's take a look at John 8. So here's where we've been the last several weeks. And if you haven't had a chance to be here, if you're a visitor, if you've missed a couple, please go back. In the last three weeks, you can find them online, watch them. This one will kind of tie it all together. You really need all of them talking about our freedoms and living a life that is free. Even though freedom or victory has been provided for you and I, there's things we need to do to walk out a victorious or free life. To the Jews who had believed in him, he's speaking to believers here. So to Christians, believers, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Now understand again, and I want to point this out, <clears throat> just because you're saved and going to heaven, which is an amazing, the greatest thing that could ever happen, doesn't mean that you, you're just automatically going to walk out the life of Christ. You're going to walk out his teachings. You need to be aware of the decisions you make every day and be committed to being a disciple. A disciple is not necessarily somebody that's just saved and has her ticket to heaven punched, right? I'm just like, I want to go to heaven. That's all I care about. I want to get my ticket to heaven. That's all I want. Can I tell you, how about living a life that brings a little heaven to the earth, right? 
So, I mean, I know I'm gonna go to heaven one day, and I, whenever that is, it is what it is, but in the meantime, I got some life to live out here. I, I should live out the freedom that I have here on the earth that's been paid for me. And so that comes from following the teachings of Jesus or being a disciple. So having said that, it says then, when you're not just, not just talking about a salvation experience, that's just the starting point, the beginning of the journey. Then when you're walking out the teachings of Jesus and a disciple, then you'll know the truth. You're on this journey of truth, and the truth will combat the lies of the enemy. We talked about that two weeks ago, and the truth will help you maintain or walk in your freedom. The next verse says this. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? In today's terms, it's like, I've been a Christian. I'm a Christian. How can you say I need freedom? I've already been set free. And can I tell you, even as Christians, we can open up the door to the enemy in our life and put ourselves under bondage, even though Jesus set us free. I'm not saying that we can be owned by the enemy in a sense that we would understand possession, but we can allow sin to have mastery over us and not walk in the freedom that's ours. Yes, you're going to heaven one day, but you may be in bondage while you're here on the earth based on your choices. <clears throat> so they're like, I'm a Christian, I, I don't need to be set free, I already have been. He goes on to say this, Jesus replied, Verily, I truly, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, that there are things that you can allow to have mastery over you, not own you, but, but tell you how to live your life. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever, meaning that there's still people, even though they're saved and Christians, victorious, that they're not living the life as God intended, not living the freedom to the full that is available to you. So we'd rather live the freedom to the full. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's good news, amen? But there's work that we have to do on our part <clears throat> because there's a real enemy out there as we talked about last week. And Jesus reminds us, actually Jesus warns us, and I'd love to give you a scripture right here. That's a refrigerator one. This probably is not, and if it is, let me pray for you after service. But it is a great reminder it's a great reminder to you and I. It's actually a warning. Here's what it says, Luke 11, 24 through 26. When an impure spirit comes out, we're talking about we've experienced freedom, so when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, hey, I'll return to where I just came from or got kicked out of or got, or got expelled. And it goes on to say this, and when it arrives, when it comes back, it finds the house swept and clean, put in order, free. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. What a bummer. That's a terrible scripture. Like, thank you for Fourth of July weekend, Pastor. I was really having a good time, and they came here and you told me that. Can I tell you the importance of this scripture is that it's a warning. It doesn't mean it has to happen, but it lets you know what the plan of the enemy is. And so, just because you walk in and receive your freedom doesn't mean you won't have to continue to fight to be free. Come on. And if we're ignorant of the fact, we can easily fall into that place of allowing the enemy back into our life. And what is being told to you when I hear is don't be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. He's gonna keep trying to put you in bondage or to get you to open the door to him or for you not to live the life God intended. And so let's make decisions not to allow him to do that. He wasn't, Jesus wasn't giving us this verse to tell us it's gonna happen. He's giving it to us so we don't let it happen. It's a warning. And so he's letting us know that when you feel you've experienced freedom, don't think the freedom fight is over because the enemy's gonna try and come back. 
And so we need to be aware of that. And so, you know, there's a cycle to this, and we're going to look at this morning, <clears throat> staying free from freedom and on the process of staying free. And it really is something that will happen in an individual life, it will happen in a marriage, but can I tell you it happens, it's maybe even more obvious, it happens in governments and countries and businesses, and I think you'll see it easily here in our country as well, and maybe in your own life. And so let's take a look at this process, or the cycle rather, that happens really all the time in every you know, area, facet of our life, in countries and governments and businesses, as I've said. And so it's easy just even looking back at our, our history. So let's take a look. Uh, we all long for freedom. That, that's what we want. We, we long for, we cry out for freedom. Actually, everyone, I believe, is born with a longing for freedom. I believe God puts that inside every person. And that's why we see all throughout just history and stuff, people not content to be in bondage, but rising up. There's something in us that knows there's freedom for you and I. It's kind of like, I think every one of us has that brave heart thing in us, right? You want to paint half your face blue and yell, freedom, you know? And it says something inside of us, I believe God puts it in there, not to be content with the bondage of stuff that the world tries to put on you, the enemy tries to put on you. I believe we're all born that way. There's a spirit inside of us that desires or longs for freedom. And so every place there's freedom, government, country, person, everyone experiences freedom, then they experience the next phase, which is prosperity. So when a person experiences freedom, just think of our own lives, when we've experienced a personal freedom or a spiritual freedom, we find a prosperity of our soul. Meaning when we come to Jesus, we find that life is better. We find that marriage is better. Everything can be better because of the freedom. And so now we're walking in the prosperity that can happen when freedom happens. And there is something to be said about when freedom comes to a country or freedom comes to a government, that it opens the door to more prosperity in the natural, also that in a soulish way, and in individuals and even spiritually. So here's the problem with prosperity, and yes, there can be a problem with prosperity. It can often breed pride and complacency. It can often breed, you know, just take it for granted. Take your, you get your freedom, then it leads to prosperity, and then you, you take it for granted. In other words, you let your guard down, and that's easy. And so it's like this, if you find a financial freedom and, and you find some freedom and then financially you're prospering, isn't it easy then to let your guard down and kind of slip back in the old habits of starting buying stuff again? How many people have gotten out of debt and go right back into debt? Right? Okay, thank you for those that raised their hand. God bless you for your honesty. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I would raise mine, but I'm up here preaching. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's easy. And just look at, look at, uh, Look at what happens when we find those freedoms and we overindulge, if you will. It's easy to let our guard, guard down and then allow the enemy to come back in and things. So the next obvious part of the cycle would be every place that you find freedom, it's followed by prosperity, and if you don't know what to do with it, it leads right back to bondage, our starting point. In fact, we can see that in governments, and we can see that in, and we can see that in our, our country even. I mean, a lot of you in here I know have experienced things like, just think about, it wasn't too long ago that we had the oil boom again, right? And man, prosperity was flowing and going and all that stuff, and then we went to the oil bust, right? It just seems like there's this cycle that goes on, and it goes in countries and governments. We see it in our own, the housing market and days and all that. I mean, you see it everywhere you look. It's true. It's a cycle that happens all the time. We see it in our own personal lives our marriages as well, and so we need, to be, we need to understand what to do so we don't keep going around in that cycle, so we can stay free. And so it's easy just to look through histories, our histories, our lives, and find that. Freedom, prosperity, bondage repeating itself, but we don't want it to repeat. Amen? We want to be free and stay free. The big question is how? How do we do that? Okay, I, I'm with you. I would love that in my own life, but how do you do that? And assuming that we've walked this all out and we're experiencing freedom, how do we 
stop the bondage or how do we stop the thing so we don't go right back into that cycle? I understand it happened to the early church too. And in fact, just as another illustration, when you read through scripture, you see the freedom that comes with Jesus in the New Testament, right? I mean, you had the bondage of the Old Testament, the law, then you see the freedom that comes in the New Testament with Christ, and then you see Christians or churches that are growing, you see 3,000 added, 5,000 added, 4,000 added, the freedom's coming, they're experiencing it, and they're prospering, and all of a sudden they're overindulging, and now you look at the letters Paul's writing to the churches, and you realize most of the letters that Paul writes to the churches is correcting them because of their freedom slash prosperity that's leading them back into bondage. And he has to correct them now. And so you see that. All throughout, even in the scripture, you see that. And so I'm going to take a look this morning in the scripture and how we can move beyond that. And so how we can maintain our freedom. So, um, you know, it, when you're talking about the freedom that has come and Paul is addressing because people, well, rather the freedom and then prosperity and Paul correcting them and getting back into bondage. And actually, a lot of the other Christians decided to go back to the old ways even because they couldn't manage it well. But the book of Galatians is all about grace versus bondage. And right now, uh, I just wanna let you know, right now on Wednesday nights, the guys are te- teaching chapter by chapter through the, the book of Galatians. You need to come and you wanna learn about grace and grace versus works. It's a good thing to come and sit under and then they'll get into the book of Philippians when they wrap that up. And so it's chapter by chapter on Wednesday night. But let's take a look at Galatians 5.1 real quick. Here's what it says, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. So stand firm in your freedom then, and do not let yourselves be burdened. Listen to this, stand firm in your freedom, but don't let yourselves, don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Well, what are you talking about? I'm a Christian, I can be free. But you can open up the door and allow your choices to lead you back into that place, through that cycle of bondage again. And Jesus is saying, stand firm, don't go there. This means that you don't have to keep repeating the cycle. It can stop. Again, the question is how? How do I stop the cycle? And we need to know this. Let me tell you this. Freedom comes in two forms, and you need both. It comes from a moment. A moment that happens. You give your life to Christ in a moment you're changed. God can change your life in a moment. And there's other things throughout the course of our life that will happen in a moment. Freedom also comes in a process. A process of discipleship, and we've said this many times when we're looking at scripture, when God has brought his children out of 400 years of slavery and bondage out of Egypt, he brings them out of Egypt, and then he has to bring Egypt out of them, or in Egypt out of them. And it's like when you get saved, and all of a sudden a lot of things in your life have changed, but not everything in your life. You find this moment of freedom and I'm going to heaven and I'm saved, but now I gotta work on some of these habits and some of these things in my life through a process to find freedom over some of these things in my life. So freedom comes in two forms. It can come in a moment, and a lot of times in life, if we're looking at what we might put, well, how we might say that, the word might be deliverance. You might be delivered at some point in time from addiction or things in a moment, but a lot of life comes through a process of discipleship or growing So it's not just deliverance, it is, but it's also discipleship. So freedom is also a journey. It's not just a moment, it's a journey. In order for you to stay free, you need to go on the journey. And so we need to understand the process a little bit. So let's look at this process of freedom in scripture and how to stay free. And we'll do it by using the story of the prodigal son. Great story, Luke 15, you can turn there. A lot of us will know the story, many perhaps may not, especially if you're new. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of background as Jesus is teaching this. He starts in Luke 15, of course. In verse 11, he says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the state. 
So he divided the property between them. Now understand, that was very inappropriate. That was not the custom of the day, but the father did it anyways. He didn't have to do it. The son was asking for stuff. He shouldn't have asked at that point in time, but the dad did it. And it says, not long after that, the younger son, uh, 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 hold on, look, can, we, can we back, let's go back, can we back up? Yeah, so I missed a point here. Look at this, Jesus continued, there was a man and two, two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his prop- property between them, say them. See, we in our mind think that the younger son got his inheritance only, but the dad divided it right there to both of them. You see that? Okay, now we're gonna come back to that in a minute, so hold on to that. He said they both got their inheritance. He didn't have to do it, that was actually inappropriate. It wasn't right to do it, but the younger one demanded it, so he did, but he gave the inheritance then to both. Okay, hold on to that thought. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had sent off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. Freedom? Prosperity. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine which, in the land, which will happen when you get freedom, prosperity, you live this, and all of a sudden, here comes bondage again. The whole country and began to be in need. He began to be in need. I want to give you the process or the journey to staying free, because you'll need it, because it happens all the time, and it happens for all of us. The son did something very few of us will do right here, which is the first step in our freedom, our, our journey of freedom, and it's number one, admit that you need help. Admit that you need help. So he had everything he could want, he's out, he squanders it all, and he's worse off than when he began, so we need to understand his process helps us find ours. Admit that you need help. Very few people want to do this. They want anybody else to know. I don't want anybody else to know. We don't mind telling God. I'll tell God. In my private time, I'll tell God, but I don't want everyone else to know. I want them to think I got it all together. And can I tell you, one of the key secrets in freedom is to let down our pride and say, I've messed up. I've blown it, and I need some help. And can I tell you, this is especially hard for men. And let me say this, man. You may think it is a sign of weakness. Can I tell you, it is harder, not, it is harder to ask for help than to keep things hidden. It takes a stronger man to find someone and ask for help than to keep it hidden. So I want to let you know that. One of the most courageous things that we can do is admit that we need help. Let's take a look at the story, verse 15. So he went and hired himself. He looked for help in the wrong places. He went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots. He was so hungry in such a bad place, he was willing to eat what the pigs eat. He would, it was even good to eat what the pigs eat. He, he, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Nobody would help him. But when he came to his senses, listen to this phrase right here. This, is, this should be on a refrigerator. Come to your senses. <laughs> this is one of the most powerful statements in Scripture. Come on. This is one of the most powerful statements in Scripture. Oh, if we would just come to our senses and quit living a life that we don't have to live. Oh, if we would come to our senses and know that victory has been won for us and we don't have to live this life of bondage. Oh, if we would just come to our senses knowing that there's a better life and Jesus paid the price for us. If we would just come to our senses. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants had food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I love that phrase, if we would just come to our senses. When he came to his senses, I've come to my senses and I realize I need help. You'll never be set free if you don't admit that there's a problem. Now I know that's like AA and all that, and they probably got it all from the Bible. All those things, the first step is to admit that there's a problem, but you know what, there's biblical truth behind that. You need to know that you're in bondage or you can be in bondage. And so, but who wants to do that? How can we do that? You know, let, let, me, let me tell you, I, I've been saying this, I'm, I'm super excited about this fall when our groups start up again, and, and we're looking at community groups and life groups, and you'll be hearing, continue to hear more and more about that. How can we do that? We can do that when we build relationships. 
That's why groups are so important. We need to get in groups so we can build relationships. Listen, I want to I want you to know groups aren't about curriculum. We'll have some great things out there for you to study. I had a great book I'm going to do as a group and stuff like that. There's going to be some great things out there. But can I tell you, curriculums are just bait to get you in. They're just really things to lure you or entice you into a group where you can build relationships. Because you walk life out in relationships. Oh yeah, the information is going to be good, but can I tell you, the relationship is going to be better. Because we all need to have somebody that we can admit where we mess up or we need help to find freedom. We need to find people that we can connect with. You don't have to tell to everybody. And can I tell you in a group, you don't have to share it to everybody, but find the one or two in the group that's worse off than you then, if that makes you feel better, right? Because there'll be somebody and go tell them. Hey, listen, I've heard your story. I appreciate you sharing that. You've had it really bad. Makes me feel good about myself. But let me tell you where I'm at right here. The reality is that we all can be blessed and learn by sharing our story with others in the group, where we build safe environments and safe relationships. Curriculum's great. To me, that's icing on the cake. The important thing is a relationship that you build that'll help you not only find your freedom, but maintain your freedom. Finding someone to pray with you, encourage you, stand with you, hold you accountable, call you on the business trips, check on you when you've had a tough day with your wife, how are your kids doing, let me pray with you, let me stand with you, don't worry, don't feel guilt, that's the enemy lying to you, there's freedom for you, come on, get up, don't lay down, get up, keep going, come on, that's all found in groups, it's an environment created that you can maintain your freedom, and I want to just encourage you, and I'm, I'm excited about it coming up here soon, uh, life change happens in authentic relationships. Life change happens in authentic relationships. Number two, in the process, so the second thing the prodigal son did is this, humbly repent to God and others. Humbly repent to God and others. Notice I said to God and others. In other words, there's two places. Luke 15, 18 says this. Luke 15, 18. I will set out and go back to my father, and I will say to him, listen, when he's, man, this is ridiculous. I've come to my senses. My, my dad's servants do better. I, I need help. I'm going to go. Here, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say to him, I've sinned against heaven or God and against you. Now, understand, this is extremely powerful for this young man to then find his freedom. He went, and he knew he needed to repent or apologize to God. We'll talk about it in a second. And then to his father. And can I tell you, he realized he wasn't going to be able to be free but just with him and God trying to work it out. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions about Christianity. It's just me and God. I only need God. Can I tell you, God didn't set it up that way. You need God for your salvation, because no man can save you. No man can forgive you of your sins. No man can make you righteous. But God, through the works of Jesus Christ, but God himself, and I'll show you in the scripture, says, I'll give you salvation, but you have to work out and maintain, maintain your freedom with other people through relationships. And so here's what it says in 1 John 1, 9, the Bible goes on to say this, if we confess our sins, he, being God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Only God can purify you from all unrighteousness. You need God for your salvation. You need God for your righteousness. But then he goes on to say this in James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? healed so that you may be healed, not forgiven. God forgives and cleanses you from unrighteousness, but people in your life can help you maintain or walk in healing or freedom or out of bondage, maintain or stay free. God set it up. It's his system. Well, I don't know, Pastor, I don't agree with that. I only need God. Well, then why don't you, why don't you question him on that? Why'd you put James 5.16 in there, right? I mean, listen, it's like this God forgives, cleanses us from unrighteousness, and listen, then we need people in our life to help us maintain or walk in our freedom. 
You gotta have that. Again, so I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about somebody. There at least needs to be somebody in your life that you go to and they'll stand with you and agree with you. People can't forgive you in a sense like God can, but notice, notice when John 1.9 was up there, just, just an afterthought here, notice it didn't say, God will forgive you of all unrighteousness and you'll never do it again. And we don't have to put that back up there, but you know, it didn't say that. But then it goes on to say, and so you'll never do it again, you need to confess your sin to someone and they'll stand with you. So you can not only find but maintain your freedom. So maybe the never do it again part really is more dependent upon your relationships helping you. And so that's what we need to maintain our freedom. You'll be healed and that's what keeps you from doing it again. God designed it, confess to God for forgiveness and God's people for healing. And when you do this, just a power comes into your life the way God set it up, the supernatural power that will come and help you maintain that freedom. Um, now, let's talk about this. Uh, next one here is the, the third one there. Well, what, let me, before I go on, you know, let me explain something when we talk about repentance, repenting to God. Because I think we have a, a different understanding. Repenting to God or whatever is not just saying I'm sorry. Okay? Now, if you study the word repentance, I think that we need to understand it because we'll just, I'm sorry, God, man, forgive me. I repent, God, forgive me. We need to know what that really means. Repentance is a misunderstood word, and it's not just saying sorry to God. That's really a small part of it. Repent in the Greek, the original language the New Testament was written in, is metanoia. Meta meaning change, and noia meaning mind, or change your mind. So repentance is, I'm not going to... I'm not gonna go through a process, repentance is I'm gonna go through a process of changing my mind, not that I'm just sorry. It's not that, come on, we know that, come on, whether it be your kids or whether it be people in your life, you know when they come up and just say, I'm sorry, and then nothing's changed. I mean, I think that we approach God that way. I'm sorry, forgive me, God. I mean, I'm never gonna do that again. And repentance, really, repenting to God means, yes, you come and say you're sorry, but you find a way to change your mind. You find a way to make sure you're not walking that way again or what you need to do. And so, let's understand when we repent to God and to others, it means we're changing our mind. And can I tell you, the reason why I say that is because changing your mind doesn't happen in one second. Doesn't happen in one second. It's a process. Again, can I go back to the importance of groups? You have people around you that will help you change your mind through a process and help you see things a better way, God's way. And so we need to understand that. That's why, again, my groups is a big deal. Because little by little you'll be able to change your mind to the way that you think. And I want you to see the process. Then you can do these last two things. After you've done those two things, you can do the last two things. And that's uh, this. Number three, daily choose to reject Satan's lies. Daily choose to reject Satan's lies. Daily, every day. You realize every day you have to choose to reject his lies. He's going to lie to you every day. I'd like to tell you he's not going to lie to you after you get saved. Can I tell you? He just picks up the pace. He wants you not to walk as saved. He wants you to know Jesus won the victory, but not walk a victorious life. So for many of us, before we, <laughs> for many of us, before we even leave church, the devil's going to be lying to you. Now can I tell you, there's people in here this morning that the devil's going to lie to you about your eternity. When we get to the point of giving you an opportunity to make a decision for Christ, to get saved, the devil's gonna lie, yeah, you don't need that. Yeah, listen, that's not real. Don't get up on all that. And can I tell you, even more people, when it's time for the offering, probably a whole lot more people, the devil's gonna lie to you during the offering time. Come on, it happens every week, right? You lying devil, right? So can I tell you, the devil's gonna lie to a lot of us before we even leave this place. 
It's what he does, but we need to choose to reject his lies. So Luke 15, 25 through 28, let's take a look. Meanwhile, listen to this part of the story. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called one of his servants over and asked, what is going on? Your brother has come, and he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him safe and back safe and sound. Verse 28, listen to this. The older brother became angry. Are you kidding me? The older became angry and refused to go in. You know what he did? He chose to listen to a lie. He put himself back in bondage because of his anger and listening to a lie. Let me explain it to you in a second. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving, as your kids ever say, I've been slaving all these years here at the house for you, and never disobeyed. Can I tell you, now the kid's lying, <laughs> right? I don't think there's any one of us that can ever say we've never disobeyed, right? So now he's lying back to his dad. I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Goes on to say this, but when this son of yours right? Your, your kid, when your kid uh, has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf. I can't even get a baby goat. And he goes on to say this in the next verse. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You know what I love about this? Basically, he's saying, listen, everything, you, yeah, you don't have to have a baby goat. You have the whole flock of goats, right? You, everything I have. And here's what the powerful thing, the son believed a lie. Because remember we talked about when the father divided the inheritance with them? So back in Jewish custom, back in that day, the older son who we're talking about right now would get two-thirds and the younger would get one-third. So when the dad divided the inheritance, when it said gave it to them, the younger son was given one-third, the older son was given two-thirds. So he already has two-thirds of the inheritance. Can you guys put that back up? He already had two-thirds of the inheritance, but now the dad says this, listen, I'm not even talking about your two-thirds. The dad says, everything I have is yours. Don't let the devil lie to you. Everything God has is yours. Everything God has has been provided for you to walk in. He's a good God. I mean, it would be enough just for the son to appreciate the two-thirds that he got, but that's how the devil will lie to you, to keep you in bondage. Everything I have is yours. Everything. We need to listen to the truth and reject daily the lies of the enemy. Last one. Got to close. Uh, daily choose to receive God's truth. Daily choose to receive. You gotta daily reject the lies of the devil and daily choose to receive God's truth. A lot of people don't even know what the truth is. That's why you gotta be consistent in church. That's why you gotta open up your Bible and read it every day so you know the truth. You can reject the enemy's lies and replace it with the truth. That's why you need to get in a group where the truth is shared and taught. The father says three things to his servant. So I know I'm going long today. We had a lot of stuff. Hang in there. You need to know these three things. Three truths I want, you, I want to give you this morning. We'll find those in Luke 15, 22 through 24. And then I'll go back and explain it. Here's what it says in Luke 15, 22. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his finger. And bring sandals and put them on his feet. And it goes to say this in 23. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Verse 24, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found, so they began to celebrate. Now let's go back to verse 22. Listen to the three things here that we need to 
be mindful of when we're talking about the truth of God's word in our life or the truth. But the father said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring the best robe. The first thing we need to know, truth, is God has put a robe of righteousness on us. He's put a robe of righteousness on us. In fact, uh, the robe of righteousness, what is that? Well, Isaiah says he clothes you in righteousness. Righteousness is simply this. Let me give you a simple definition. It's your view of yourself, how you view yourself. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus paid the price, so God sees us through the work that Jesus did. Your righteousness is not based on your works, but the works of Jesus. So God puts a robe of righteousness on you, and when he sees you, he doesn't see your sin and your faults and mistakes. He sees the work of his son Jesus through his shed blood, amen? That's how you need to see yourself. That's how you need to see yourself. So the Father says, this is not about all your squandering and all the stuff that you've done. This is about you being my son. This is about who you are. You need to see yourself that way. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us because everything we see in life is going through the filter of the view we have of ourself. And if we don't have a good view of ourself, we're not gonna have a good view of things that go on in life. We don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. That's how it happens. Therefore, it's extremely important for us to see ourselves, not how we see ourselves, but how God sees us. And God sees us with a robe of righteousness on us that he placed on us. And when we take God's view, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He took care of our sins on the cross, past, present, and future, and that belief empowers you and I to live a new way. See yourself the way Jesus sees you. Put on the robe of righteousness, that's truth. The second thing we saw was a ring. It says he gave him a ring. He put a ring on his finger. He gave him a ring of authority. Back in the day, the ring represented the family and the authority with it. It's like when you watch the movies, the old movies with the king, right? The king's gonna send a letter or a decree, and, and so they, they roll up the thing, and they, and they put wax on it, and then he has his king ring on, right? And he sticks it in the wax and leaves the king crest on there, the family crest. Uh, that's, the, that's the picture. That's the idea. It's the ring of authority. So anybody that saw that, that crest or that ring knows the authority that's behind that. It's the same thing. He gave him a ring of authority. You have the ring of authority. You have the authority of Jesus Christ. You may not know this, but you have his ring on. You have access to the most powerful name in the universe, and that is the name of Jesus, and you need to use it. You need to use the authority of the name of Jesus. I have a ring on. You have a ring on. You need to know this, that you have authority over the enemy. So you need to say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you have to go, and he has to go. He has to go in Jesus' name. He has to. Come on, you need to understand this. Let me say, no, he's still here. I've been telling him that, and he's still here. And can I tell you, no, he's not. You just think that he is. He has to submit to the authority, and you're believing the lies of the enemy. He has to go. Let me illustrate this way. You tell Jesus, you tell the devil, in the name of Jesus, devil, you get your hands off my marriage, you get your hands off my kids, you get your hands off my body, you get your hands off my finances. You tell him, you have to go. Devil, in the name of Jesus, you have to go in Jesus' name. No, I don't. I don't have to go anywhere. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. You're not gonna make, you can't make me go. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here. You don't think I'm still here? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I always wondered what was in that room. He has to go. So don't believe a lie. You have the authority. You have the ring of authority on your hand. And God put there, he has to go. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have his ring, his authority in Jesus' name. And then he did something amazing. He put sandals on his feet. And we might think, okay, can you understand the day? 
the time of day that they lived in, where they were barefoot or sandals and their feet were, can you imagine how poor he was and the work he had to do, how, was, how much he had to walk and how painful it must have been and, and how his feet must have been hurt and bloody. And then, so even when they're not, they clean you up, right? When you go into a place and he did more than, he put new sandals on his feet. The first thing they would do is wash your feet, but the father took it to another level. He put sandals on his feet, which brought him comfort. In Ephesians 6, one of the pieces of God's armor is that he will shod our feet with the gospel of peace. He wants to do that today. He wants to place comfort and peace in your life. You're his kid, you're his child. You see it that way, that's the truth. He wants peace and comfort for your life. And that's what he wants, the truth to you, the truth you, you need to daily receive the truth of God's word, that you're the righteousness of Christ in, you're the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. That you have authority, and that He has put peace and comfort in your life. And then let's close with this scripture. Luke fifteen thirty two says this. But we had to celebrate the last part of the story. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. We were once dead and now alive. We were once lost and now found. We were once in bondage and now we are free. So let us walk and maintain the freedom that Jesus purchased for us. And that's what we have to celebrate today as believers. That's what we celebrate when we celebrate freedom. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.